Ephesians chapter 6, and then we'll turn to the gospel according to Luke, considering this morning the fifth commandment, which says you shall honor your father and your mother. The Apostle Paul reminds us, that children are part of God's church. When he, in a letter to the church, addresses children, that he reminds them they have an obligation before the Lord. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, the first four verses there. God's holy word, Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Then if you turn back to the gospel according to Luke, we'll read about the growth of our Lord Jesus. Boys and girls, the Bible doesn't tell us very much about Jesus growing up as a a boy or a young man, but Luke tells us a little bit, and all that we need to know, Luke chapter 2, after the the birth account, pick it up at verse 41, but actually in the the two verses before that, we read at Luke 2.39 that when they had performed all these things, and that would be Jesus being brought to the temple as as an infant, um, did all these things according to the law of the Lord. They returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. Luke 2, verse 40 says, And the child grew, he grew, and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And then Luke two forty one. His parents, Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he, when Jesus was 12 years old, They went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him, Jesus, were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he, the boy Jesus, said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. The end of God's word being read to us. We turn to the Forms and Prayers book again, this time to turn to the Heidelberg Catechism. Find it on page 246 in our book. 
246. If you're visiting with us and are not familiar with the Heidelberg Catechism, it's one of our confessions we use. They are summaries of God's Word that we use for a variety of reasons, but also as teaching tools since they summarize the main truths of the Bible. And so on page 246, under the heading of Lord's Day 39, we have an explanation of the fifth commandment, you shall honor your father and your mother. So question 104 says, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? And the answer is that I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me, submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline, and also that I be patient with their failings, for by their hand God wills to rule us. Let's bow together. O Lord, our God, does the Lord Jesus, who open eyes and ears, still live? Yes, Father, he lives and testifies to us that he was dead, but he lives again. He lives forevermore and holds in his hand the keys of death and Hades. We pray that the living Lord Jesus would visit us today and teach us through his word, open our eyes that we may see wondrous things out of his law. In his name, we humbly ask this, God, in all of our neediness. Amen. Boys and girls, how old was Jesus in Luke chapter 2, in the passage we just read? How many years old was the boy Jesus? Well, if you listen carefully, then you know he was 12 years old. 12 years old. And if he was 12 years old, then you know that the year before he was 11 years old. And the year before that, 10 years old. And the year before that, 9 years old. Jesus, we see him born in Luke 2, right? The baby in Bethlehem. And he grows. He grows up. So whatever age you are today, Jesus was once that age. And we know that he lived on after this, right? Until he's in his 30s that he died on the cross. So after 12, he became 13, then 14, then 15, and so forth. Jesus was a teenager. Jesus went through all the same places in life that you went through. And you know that at every stage... In every year he lived, Jesus did the same thing, the same thing. And you know what that was? He kept the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment that we studied this morning says, honor your father and your mother. And Jesus did that. He did that when he was three, did that when he was seven, he did that when he was 12, and when he was 14, he obeyed perfectly the fifth commandment. And Jesus, who kept it perfectly, now wants to teach you this morning to do that, right? Jesus, who kept the commandment perfectly, wants to teach you to obey the commandment. And who's better equipped to do that than the one who was the boy Jesus, and then the teenager Jesus, and then the man Jesus, who kept it perfectly. But Jesus also wants to teach you to see your sin this morning. Boys and girls, Jesus wants you at the end of this sermon this morning, to be able to say, you know what? I haven't kept the fifth commandment perfectly. I have dishonored my parents. I've disrespected my parents. I've disobeyed my parents. And I need to be washed. Now, Anna and Paul were just up here a little bit ago, right? And some water was put on them as a sign of washing. And God was saying, you know, you are a sinner, but I am pleased to wash you through Jesus. 
But the only way that we cry out, Lord, wash me, is if we know we're dirty. And so Jesus wants to teach you this morning, you're dirty. You haven't kept the law perfectly. You need to be washed. So let's look at this fifth commandment. The first thing I want you to to notice about this commandment is that it requires that we honor our parents. Now, boys and girls, what's it mean to honor mom and dad? What's it mean to honor them? You say it means to respect them. That's true. It means to treat them as important. Yes. It means to recognize that God placed them over you. They have a position. They have a spot. They have a job to do. God put them over you. And because God put them over you, they're important in terms of their role. And so you are to honor them. To honor means to treat as valuable. Sometimes we we think about what honor is by thinking about what dishonor is. If we honor something or dishonor it, it's quite a difference, right? Maybe you think about a piece of paper. Some paper we honor, some paper we, we treat as garbage, right? If you were given for your birthday a $20 bill or a, maybe a $50 bill someone gave you once, you took good care of that. Put it in your wallet or purse. You put it in your dresser drawer. You're not going to lose it. It's important. You honor it. But if it's a napkin and you just wiped your face, you throw it away. If it's a candy wrapper, maybe you even let it fall to the ground. Somebody had to tell you to pick it up. You didn't care about it. Now, when God says honor your parents, does he want you to treat your parents like a $100 bill or like a candy wrapper? How does he want you to treat your parents? Are they important? God says they're important. They're important. If your mother says something to you and then you talk back to her and say something mean or resist her, then are you treating her like a $100 bill or like a candy wrapper? Not treating her as important. If your dad says something to you and then you put on an angry face and give him angry eyes or frown at him, are you honoring the Lord? Are you respecting your father? You see, God's very clear in his word. God says, you, as a child, as one under the parents God gave you, must honor your father and your mother. Now, sometimes we make excuses, don't we? Sometimes we make excuses. Have you ever made any excuses, boys and girls, for dishonoring or disobeying? I read about a little boy who his dad came in the room, and the boy was playing or watching TV or something, and his dad told him, you need to go clean your room or whatever it was. And then his dad came back later, and the boy had not done that. And the boy said, well, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. And you know what his dad said? His dad said, I'm going to punish you because you need to learn to hear me. You need to learn that when I speak, your ears perk up. You turn away from your brother and sister. Turn away from whatever you're playing with. And you look at your dad and you listen because when you hear that voice, that voice is important. It's to be honored. And you can learn to honor that to recognize the voice of mom and dad as more important than any other voice in your life. Sometimes we talk back to our parents. Sometimes we talk on top of our parents. Sometimes we ignore our parents. And God says that is not honoring them. So to honor means to treat as important. And it also means, therefore, to obey. To obey. To obey right away. To obey all the way. And to obey with a cheerful heart. 
We're to obey right away. If mom or dad says to to go take out the garbage and we say, okay, and then we sit there and then we slowly get up and we wander here and we wander. And they say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to obey. I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Why we never head in the right direction, that's called slow obedience, which is disobedience. We must obey right away. Or if mom tells you to do three things and you do one of them, that's half obedience. We must obey right away and all the way. But we must obey not just right away and not just all the way. We must obey with a cheerful heart. If we obey right away and all the way, but we're grumbling and we're complaining or inside we're angry, then we have not obeyed and we have not honored the Lord or our parents. You see, we're not our own. Boys and girls, do you see that? If we were our own, if we, were, if we had made ourselves and we owned ourselves, then we could say, I don't have to do what anybody says. I, I'm in charge of my life. But that's not the case, right? God not only created us and created parents he set over us, but God, he claimed us in a second way. And that baptism this morning is a sign of it. God claimed us in the blood of Jesus. He put his name on us and said, you belong to me. When God brought his people out of Egypt, remember they were slaves in Egypt, God brought them out, not just parents, but the children too. And then he says, I am your Lord. You're not your own. I am your Lord. Honor your parents. He was saying, your life is not your own. You belong to me. And you honor me by honoring the parents I've set over you. We must obey then our parents. We must also love them. The Catechism actually says we are to love our parents. That's part of what it means to honor them. Boys and girls, how can you love your parents? Well, you can tell them you love them, of course, and hug them. That's, that's a good way. But what about, have you ever done something for your mom or dad without being asked? Picked up something or cleaned something up without ever being asked? That's a way of loving your parents. Let me ask you, those of you in 6th and 7th and 8th grade or high school, do you pray for your parents? you pray for your parents? Do you ask God to help them and bless them and keep them? That's a way to love them. Have you ever asked your parents if they had a good day? They ask you, how did it go? Did you have a good day? Have you ever asked your parents, Mom, Dad, did you have a good day? The Catechism also speaks of faithfulness. Honoring Mom and Dad means being faithful to them. Faithful means we stick with someone. We're a good friend. We don't desert them. We don't love to talk about them behind their back and hurt them. Boys and girls, how long are we to be faithful to our parents for? We are to be faithful to our parents until God calls them home or Jesus comes back. Boys and girls, as you look around at church today, maybe after church, look around. And even some of the adults here maybe you don't even know they used to be kids but they did they used to be little kids one day and then they grew up like Jesus grew up and now maybe even their heads are gray do you know that some of them are actually caring for their parents when we're little we need to be cared for by our parents but as we grow up it sort of turns the other way sometimes parents grow old and need to be cared for by their children there's a lot of people in church here who've had to or now have the privilege of caring for their older parents. They're being faithful to them for the Lord's sake. 
Have you ever thought about Jesus' relationship to his parents? Again, the Bible doesn't tell us too much about Jesus growing up and what it was like to be a boy for Jesus and all that. But Luke gives us that little glimpse, that little window in there. And do you know what Luke says? He says that Jesus was subject to his parents. That means he obeyed them. He yielded to them. He said, you are my mom and dad. I will honor you and obey you. Jesus did that. And the book of Hebrews tells us Jesus never sinned. And therefore, we can rightly conclude that Jesus never once spoke back to his parents. He never once frowned at them. He never once complained against them. He never once was slow to obey what they told him to do. Never once. He never sinned. He loved his father and mother. He was loyal to them. In fact, when Jesus Christ was on the cross dying, boys and girls remember this, Jesus was on the cross dying and his mother was standing there. And do you know what Jesus did? Did he say, oh, mom, this hurts so much. Can't you help me? No, he, he turned his mom's eyes from his suffering to meet her need. And he said to his mother, look, John, that's your son now. And he said to his disciple, John, look, that's your mother now. Jesus' dad apparently had already died. Joseph had apparently already died. And so his mom was a widow. And so Jesus was, even as he was dying, was caring for his mom and said, Mom, I give you a new home here. He was faithful to her all the way till his death. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the fifth commandment. And you know what? Jesus perfectly fulfilling the fifth commandment is very, very, very good news for us this morning. You know why? Well, let me explain it to you. Maybe you've had a teacher that gave you stars on a chart if you did something right or took one off if you did something wrong. Well, imagine that the fifth commandment has a chart in heaven. And every time you keep it, God gives you a star. Every time you don't keep it, he takes one off. And you have to have all the columns filled with stars to go to heaven. You have to have all ten columns. All ten columns must have the gold star or you can't go to heaven. Well, if you asked your parents how many stars you get for obeying them, what would they say? If you went home today, say, Mom and Dad, on a scale of one to ten, ten being the very best, how many stars would you give me for obeying the fifth commandment? What would you expect your parents to say? I bet a lot of you'd expect your parents to say eight, seven, nine. Our parents are pretty gracious, aren't they? They love us. They're merciful, and they should be. But you know what? God, if he were to judge us, not based on what Jesus did for us, but if he was to judge us just standing by ourselves before his holy law, And he was to put on the chart how many stars we get. How many do you think we'd get? Five. If God judges strictly just by his law, four, three, two. Do you know if God judged you, you would not get one single star on his chart? Not one. Because the Bible says that even our best obedience is dirtied by our sins. None of it measures up to be worthy of a gold star. But you know who got ten stars? Jesus did. He obeyed his parents every day. He honored them every day. He loved them every second. 
His obedience was flawless. And that obedience of Jesus is given to you. So that when God looks upon you, all those who are united to Jesus by faith, he says, I look upon you as if you have ten stars. Now you say, well, I don't have ten stars. I disobeyed my parents. He says, but you're connected to Jesus. Imagine if you were on a basketball team. Imagine if you were on a basketball team and you were the absolute worst player there's ever been. You, you not only never scored a, a basket, but in every single game you got mixed up and scored a basket at the wrong hoop for the other team. Well, if you told us that, we'd say, I bet you lose a lot of games, don't you? And you said, no, actually, we win every single game. Because on my team is the very best basketball player in all the world, and he scores 100 points every game. Now, you see, that's how it is. We sin. We lose points. But Christ's obedience is perfect. And because we're on Christ's team, or he's on our team, because we're united to Jesus, all of his points count for us. All of his obedience is our obedience. All of his righteousness is credited to our account. Jesus, why did Jesus live as a 12-year-old boy? He lived as a 12-year-old boy so 12-year-old boys could get to heaven. Why did Jesus live as a 7-year-old boy? He lived as a 7-year-old boy so 7-year-old boys and girls could go to heaven. Because 7-year-old boys and girls sin and they can't go to heaven unless someone keeps the law for them. And Christ kept the law for you. That's the promise. That's the promise of baptism, that Christ not only pays the penalty for you, suffers, but also that he kept the law for you so that you can be right before God. He was born under the law. Though he is God, though he's the son of God, he came to be born under the law, to stand in your place, to be your substitute, to keep the law for you, so that God can say, you're perfect. I accept you. You go forward in gratitude for that. Say, thank you, Jesus, that in God's eyes I'm perfect. And now I want to obey because I'm so thankful to be saved. That's the first thing. And parents are to help their children with that by teaching them about their sin. Remember, it does no good, parents, to leave our children thinking they're perfect children because then they don't need a Jesus We must teach them to apply the law of God to their lives. We must call them out for their sin. We must teach them how crisp and sharp is the edge of God's law. So they say, I need to be washed. I need a substitute to keep the law for me. I need Jesus. And as children are called to honor their parents, parents are called to require them to honor their parents. We do no good to our children when we fail to require that. Fathers, we must require that children honor not just us, but also their mother. I remember when I was just out of seminary, began serving a church, there was a pastor and his family that visited the congregation I was serving, and and after church I was standing outside talking to the pastor's wife, and one of her children came up and said something, and, and she responded, and he didn't like the answer, and he started hitting her. And then she, she tried to say, no, 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 and then he just hit her some more. And then she bent down and said, no, no, no. And then he hit her some more. And I thought to myself, what is this? Neither father nor mother will insist a child stop hitting his mother. 
The kind of gentleness with which she dealt with that child was not a godly gentleness. Parents are called to require of their children to honor their father and mother. To require that they obey their parents right away, all the way, and with a cheerful heart. In doing that, children are led in the law of God. In doing that, children come to see, I need a Savior, both his saving righteousness and his power. But secondly, boys and girls, I want to tell you this morning that the fifth commandment requires that you learn from your parents. Your parents are there to teach you. Not only honor your parents, but learn from them. Be instructed by them. Be taught by them. God did not make any of us as those who were born and knew everything. And maybe this will surprise you, boys and girls, but when Jesus was born, he didn't know everything. Oh, he knew everything as God. As the Son of God, he knew everything. He's the creator of the world. But as a human boy, he didn't know everything. Now you say, well, how can that be? He's God, he knows everything. He's, he's a boy and doesn't know everything. And you know what? I don't know. It's a mystery. He's two natures in one person. He's God and man. But the Bible tells us very clearly in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ learned obedience. And Luke tells us by the Holy Spirit in Luke 2 verse 40 that the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. He grew up in wisdom. And Luke tells us at Luke 2.52 that Jesus increased in wisdom and in favor with God and men. So how did Jesus learn, boys and girls? Well, he learned presumably through his parents. Mary and Joseph must have taught Jesus about God and about his word. They brought him apparently to the synagogue where he heard messages. And, and maybe Jesus, preacher, somebody in the synagogue, stood up and instructed about the fifth commandment. And Jesus, like you boys and girls, had to learn what it said. Now, if Jesus, who was perfect, had to learn obedience, how much more us who are imperfect and who have sin in our hearts, foolishness in our hearts. Boys and girls, what if you had no parents to teach you? Proverbs 14.2 says there's a way that seems right to a person, but it leads to death. Boys and girls, there are some people in this world, boys and girls, who are walking on a road that leads to death and hell. And their parents have never told them, don't take that road. Do you see how blessed you are? I have a mom and a dad who say to you, no, not that way. That goes to hell. That way goes to death. This way goes to God. That's a blessing. To have moms and dads who do that, or grandpas and grandmas who do that, uncles and aunts who do that. Parents have a huge role to play, the Bible says. They are to pass on to the next generation the wonders of the covenant Lord. It's a good reminder for us parents at the start of a new school year. We are obligated before the covenant Lord to see that his covenant children are taught, to know that God made the world, that they belong to him, that the Lord is the Lord of history. They must be taught that this is their father's world. Boys and girls, are you receiving your parents' teaching? The Lord Jesus, who grew up 
and died for our sins and rose again and ascended to heaven is, is looking down upon you. What does he see when he sees you? When your mom and dad teach you, do you learn it and say, yes, teach me, mom and dad. And when they discipline you, we need discipline too. We need to be corrected. Sometimes we have to be punished. Do we receive it? Not getting angry, but saying, thank you, God, that you love me enough to teach me the right way. Do we do that? In Proverbs, we read about how we are to embrace our parents' teaching. Proverbs 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Listen to this. Bind them, the laws of your parents. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you awake, they will speak with you. This past week at Vacation Bible School, there were kids here with something around their neck all week. These name tags. And if they were short-bodied, then the name tags hung pretty long. Remember that, boys and girls? Some of you wore name tags. And sometimes they got in the way when you played games outside, right? They were hanging in front of you there. But Proverbs says, take the teaching of your parents and bind it around you. So that wherever you go, it's with you. You have the law your parents have taught you. And then it will keep you. In the chapter earlier, Proverbs 5, you read about a young man. He said, eh, I don't want to listen to my mom and dad. And his life went terribly wrong. And then he said, he mourned at last when his body was dying. And he said, how I hated instruction And my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. You see, God gives us teachers, children, young people. But if we say, I'm not going to listen, then we walk a path of destruction. And we will one day cry and weep over it and say, oh, I've been a fool. I should have listened. I should have listened. I should have listened. Parents are called to be our teachers. They teach us about lots of things, don't they? They teach us about an oven that's hot and will burn us. They teach us about how we should talk. But most importantly, they teach us about the Lord God. They teach us about our sin. They teach us about the Savior who died for us so we could be friends of God. Parents are very important in their teaching. Listen to them, the word says. But finally, boys and girls, one last thing. And you're doing good listening. This is long, huh? One last point. We always need three points, even for boys and girls. The last thing the Catechism reminds us is that we have to be patient. Be patient with our parents. Now, you boys and girls like it when your parents are patient with you, don't you? When you mess up or when you're slow to obey and they, they help you along. But are you patient with your parents? You say, why do I have to be patient with my parents? And the answer is because your parents aren't perfect. They will fail you. Sometimes they're slow to obey. Sometimes they're grumpy. Sometimes they yell when they should not. Sometimes they forget about what you really need. Sometimes children come in and they're, they're asking for help. They're saying, my brother or my sister took this away from me. And maybe dad says, ah, neither of you play with it. Just set it down and be done with it. Well, that's not necessarily good. Maybe he should listen and hear what's going on and correct the person who's erring. You see, boys and girls, parents, 
parents are not perfect. You know who had perfect parents? No, you don't. You don't, do you? Because even Jesus' parents were not perfect. Jesus' parents were quite mixed up, in fact. Jesus' parents have been told that their child was very special. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. Remember when he was born, there were angels, there were shepherds, there were, there were wise men. There was Anna and Simeon declaring, this is the Messiah, the Savior. And then Jesus grew up. And by the time he got to be 12 years old, apparently they weren't thinking much about that anymore. And they sort of forgot. And so when they were at Jerusalem, they had traveled from Nazareth all the way down to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And apparently they let, they let, they let the boy Jesus run around Jerusalem a bit, maybe with his cousins. They gave him some freedom. And then they headed off when it was over and Jesus wasn't along with them. And, and they got, they got a, a day down the road and they stopped and they, they said, well, where's Jesus? And, and he wasn't with any of their families or friends. And they had to go all the way back to Jerusalem and look for Jesus. And they finally found him in the temple. And his mom said, oh, Jesus, what have you done to us? We were looking all over for you. We were so worried. And Jesus said, why? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Didn't you remember who I am? Didn't you remember that I have a calling? Jesus was showing in a way that his parents had failed. They had forgotten. So what did Jesus do? Did he say, I'm 12 years old, and we've established clearly that you are not perfect parents, so from here on out, I'm taking it. I'm going to do it myself. No. We read that after that incident in the temple when his parents found him, Jesus submitted himself. He obeyed his parents, and he went home with them to Nazareth and honored them. Jesus did not have perfect parents, but Jesus still honored them. He still obeyed them. He still respected them. And if Jesus, the Son of God, honored his imperfect mother and father, then we can never say, well, mom was grumpy, so I was just grumpy back to her. Or dad was angry, so I was just angry back to him. No. God says, no. I know your parents are not perfect, but I still require you to honor them and respect them. Now, once in a while, a child has parents that are doing something very, very wrong like beating on them, hitting them, or touching them where they shouldn't. And then God says, then you should tell your pastor, you should tell your Sunday school teacher, you, you should tell your grandpa and grandma, because that's very wrong. But ordinarily, in Christian homes, parents are loving their children. Not perfectly, but loving them. And children are to obey and honor them, to pray for them to encourage them. And the best thing of all is this, that no matter who your parents are or aren't, if you have a bad mom or dad, or if you have a great dad and in five years from now he dies, the most wonderful thing is this, that that boy Jesus in the temple who said, I must be about my father's business. He's saying God is his father. He's the son of God. That that Jesus who died on the cross has purchased for you 
the privilege of being God's own son or daughter. And so Christ says that my father is now your father. And so you may know that though your parents are imperfect, you do in fact have a perfect father. You know who has perfect parents or who has a perfect father? Boys and girls, you do. Because Jesus' father in heaven is your father. Jesus died on the cross to make it so. And that father will always be with you. He'll always care for you. And he will always give you the strength to honor your father and mother. If you call upon him, he will send you the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of the Christ, the spirit of the one who kept God's law perfectly. And that spirit will live in you and give you the power to love, honor, and obey your mother and father. So call upon him. Say, oh, Father in heaven, you're the perfect father. Will you send me what I need to obey my parents? And will you also teach me to repent where I haven't? Boys and girls, I said at the beginning, that by the end of the sermon, you need to know your sin. And if you know your sin and you're saying to yourself, now I haven't honored my parents perfectly, then what do you need to do about it? You need to say, Father in heaven, please forgive me for Jesus' sake. And he will. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, our perfect Father, we have not honored you as we should. We acknowledge that. Not as boys and girls, not as young adults, not as older adults. None of us have honored you, our Father, as we should. None of us has honored our parents in the way we ought. With our words and our thoughts and our actions, we have failed what your law requires. And Father, we pray you'll forgive us for Jesus' sake. We thank you for his perfect obedience given to us. We thank you, Father, for his perfect sacrifice covering all our sins. We thank you, Lord, for your gospel preached. And we thank you for your gospel symbolized in baptism. And we pray that in that gospel we would find our life, our forgiveness, and our hope. Father, bless the boys and girls of this church. May your mercies be upon them. And may your covenant favor continue for another generation. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.